0: What's going on Victory Church? How you doing? How you doing? My name is Troy, my wife Darla, who's right there, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church, and if you are visiting with us this morning, let me say on behalf of Victory Church, welcome, and let me give you a couple of information, or a little bit of information about us. We are about four things here at Victory, growing, guiding, giving, and going, and so we want to help people grow to know God, guide people to freedom, help give people the opportunity to love out and serve out of their purpose, and then go and make a difference. And this month we have called it I Love My City Month, and we've been really focusing on our go value, and we've been doing so many different things from 4th of July outreaches to Serve Day, and we're going to continue both this week and next week. Let me explain this week. Every week as you walk out of this month, we've been giving you an act of kindness card, just a card that says something little to show you that God loves you, and we're asking you and encourage you to do something. Each week take one card, we're only going to give you one card. And do something for somebody, buy the person behind you drink at Starbucks or give an extra tip to your waiter or whatever you can do and leave them, that card we will put that in your hands today. But I really want to talk to you about next week. Next week is going to be Teacher Recognition Sunday here at Victory and so many cool things are going to happen. First of all, Principal Wayne, the very principal of Rock Springs Middle School will be in the house. Um, he's also inviting teachers and we'll have the opportunity to pray over them, number one. Uh, also, we, as you know or as you may have heard, during our serve day, we've been renovating their teacher's lounge. So the teachers don't know it. We've been renovating it, TVs, couches, painting, all kinds of different things, and we will reveal that to them uh, next Sunday. Anybody who's here will see that, and of course, the rest of the teachers will see it on Monday. And then one more thing we're doing, they have this area where kids can earn tickets for doing different things, following the rules, and then they can they can redeem those tickets for like... A lunch day with their friends on the patio or, or different things. And Principal Wayne said, man, the number one uh, desired item from there is candy. And so he said, can we get some candy? And I said, yeah. So your tithes and offerings, because you're faithful, you've already bought 2,000 pieces of candy that we're going to give them next weekend, okay? But I wanted to let you know, if you're one of those people that just say, hey, I want to go above and beyond, you are more than welcome to bring more candy next Sunday. We will add it to it. And it's just, it's just individually packed candy, wrapped candy. And we'll give it all to them. So next Sunday, we're going to pray over them. We're going to reveal the teacher's lounge to them. And we're going to give them over 2,000 pieces of candy on behalf of Victory Church. You ready for that? Yes. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Uh, It'll also be the last Sunday of our fun summer fun lobby. So we have a surprise for you. This Sunday when you walk out, you'll see some drink refreshers that you can get. Next Sunday we're going uh, out with something that I- I'm going to surprise and tell you. So you don't want to miss next Sunday. It's going to be a big day, um, and I'm excited about it. Before we get into the Word, I want to do one more quick thing. I don't know that y'all have ever heard of the term spiritual mother, spiritual father, but, but we got two people in the house tonight, special guests, or not this morning, it's not tonight yet. Uh, it's been a long weekend for me. But two special people that, that to Darla and I, they are spiritual mommy and daddy. And then beyond that, they are probably, a lot of people supported Victory, but, but they are by far the most influential, both, I mean, all financially, spiritually, physically. They got us moved here. They have been coaching us and believing for us from, the day, from day one. And I'm just excited that they're here today to see Victory Church in person. I'm going to ask you to stand real quick. This is Ron and Timmy, Tammy Kenamore as they stand. Would you just give them a hand? Love on them. Love you guys. Thank you. They mean so much to Darla and I and and just a lot of people, and so I just wanted you to be able to see their face. When you see them after service, love on them. Tell them, thank you. They have meant so much to Darla and I. You ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bible, open to the book of James. It's towards the end of the book. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow online or the app, as uh, Pastor Brian said. But we've been in this book now. Look at this. This is the eighth week that we are in the book of James. Everybody say, oh my goodness. You have been here for eight weeks. Can you believe that? You've been following along. And uh, James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he penned this letter, and he sent this letter to the churches of, of the world that were tra- they, they churches of Jerusalem, and they were all uh, scattered due to persecution, and he sent this letter, and this to them was the Bible. So it didn't have a leather backing, but, but it was their Bible, and when, when it came time to put together the Holy Bible, that was one of the letters that was taken and put in there. And so what would happen is pastors would gather their house churches kind of like this and they would open up the letter from James and they would read through it and it was very applicable to their lives. He was talking mostly to Christians. So when you hear what he says, he's not talking to unsaved people, he's talking to Christians. He's saying, hey, here's how we should act, here's what it looks like to be Christ-like. And so the pastor would read through the entire letter and then they would apply it to their life and what we've been doing is we've been taking it bit by bit, by bit, and I will read it in its entirety, whatever part we're looking at, and then we'll go back and kind of break it down word for word. We are in the end of chapter four, and we will, in the next two weeks, wrap up chapter five, and we will have studied an entire book of the Bible together, and I'm excited to be able to say that. So if you got your Bibles, chapter four, we'll start with verse 13, we'll end at verse 17. So I'll read it all the way through, and then we will come back through and apply it. Now listen you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or to that city, we'll spend a year there, carry on some business, and then make money. Why? Why do you say that? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. You're saying all this, you're making all these plans, and you don't even know what will happen. And I love this. He says, What is your life? <laughs> this is our saying, What is life? Y'all heard that saying these days? What's, what is life? Uh, my nine year old's always like, What is life? And so what, here's what you What is life? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Your life is but a blink of an eye. Instead, what you ought to say is if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, the way you're doing this, you're boasting in your arrogant schemes. You're boasting and excited in your plans and not the plans of God. And that boasting, such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. James has been hearing all of this of what's happening with the church and the Christians, and so when he sits down to pen this letter, he talks about the things we've talked about, persecution, favoritism, taming the tongue, and one of the things he keeps hearing about the the Christians of that day is that when it came to the gathering day, they were all about giving it to God and worshiping, but they kind of separated themselves from God the rest of the week, right? They kind of entered in Monday uh, forgetting about God. Put it like this. They had dedicated that day to God, but they hadn't dedicated every day to God. And James, if, if he was here today, here's how he would verbalize it. He would say, you're really good at making Sunday about God, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are supposed to be about God as well. We don't want to just dedicate. A lot of us were kind of raised in a religion where Sunday was God's day. But I'm here to tell you that every day that ends in Y is God's day, right? We we need his influence in every day. And I love what Pastor Brian was saying. Hey, we're dealing with real stuff. We're dealing with real stuff. And if you're going to deal with real stuff on Monday, you better have God a priority on that day, right? And this is what James is saying. He's saying, listen, as we approach tomorrow... There are at least three ways I see him tell us that we should approach tomorrow. Again, here we are Sunday, we're worshiping together, we're gathering, we're believing, we're sharing, but we're all fixing to face tomorrow. There's nobody in here that, that tomorrow isn't what's happening tomorrow, right? And James says, here's how we approach tomorrow. So here we go. Number one, he says we need to approach tomorrow with expectation. We need to approach it with Expectation. Verses 13 through 14, he said, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city, we'll go to that city, we'll spend a year here, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business, we'll make money, all these great plans. And James says, why do you do that? You don't even know if tomorrow will happen. Here's what James is saying. How are you planning tomorrow when you don't even know if tomorrow will be here? How are you doing that? How can you plan for something that you aren't 100% sure is even going to happen? Anybody in here a planner? Anybody in here a planner? I, I, I am a planner to an extent that should, I should be in a rubber room. You know what I mean? Like, like I have a problem. I have a real problem. Every Sunday night I sit down and I plan the week. I've got six calendars. I've got one calendar that's just for lunch meetings and, and meetings and speaking engagements and things. I have a note on my phone that takes me through every minute of my day. I know what time I'm eating lunch. I schedule fun things, all right? The, the only thing that could be worse is when I finally get to the place where I'm scheduling bathroom visits. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, it's scary right now how, how much of a planner I am. Is anybody else with me? You're in the PAA with me, yeah? Okay, all right, so here's the deal. If you're a planner, you have certainly experienced the frustration of planning for tomorrow in a life that is so spontaneous, right? When, when you don't know it could rain tomorrow, somebody could get, a kid could get sick tomorrow. Like, it's really hard to plan when you don't know what's going to happen. And James says it like this. He says, if we're not careful, we'll be tempted to plan tomorrow without consulting God. And we will plan our entire week, and we will plan our next day, and we won't even consider what God had planned for it to begin with. And the more we plan without God, watch this, the more we spend time doing what's urgent. The more we plan with God, the more time we spend doing what's important. So there's a difference. We have to decide which, which one are we gonna allow to, do, do we plan or, or does God plan? Like, it's an, it's an important concept. Proverbs 19:21 puts it like this. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose prevails. So here's what that means. You and I can sit down tonight, And we can jot out the entire week, we're gonna gonna eat this, we're gonna meal prep, we're gonna go to the gym, we're gonna take the kids to Stars and Strikes, We're we're gonna plan out this whole week, and you can do that. But ultimately, God's plan prevails. So it doesn't matter what you plan, it's what God had planned that's going to actually happen. Even, watch this, even if you have good intentions... Right? You're not planning to, to sin. You're not planning to walk out of your house. You're, you're planning, you might have good intentions, but God's plans always supersede human intentions. Always happens. Y- y'all remember the song, and some of you might not. I- I'm still trying to figure out. I, I was in an a older church for many years, so I got a lot of that old music. Y'all remember the song? This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. Yeah, what y'all know about that? Don't make me, no, I'll break it down. I, mean, I don't know nothing about that. Here's what we learned from that song who, who made the day? God. God planned the day. Our only responsibility is to take it and be able to see the purpose in it, right? This is the day. The Lord has made. God made the day. God planned the day. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm just supposed to find the purpose in it. I felt like the Lord gave me this statement this week. And and if you don't hear nothing else, get this in your heart. Tomorrow is God's responsibility to plan. And it's our responsibility to manage. It's God's responsibility to plan out what we are going to do tomorrow. But it's our responsibility to manage it. God already knows where you're going to wake up and what's going to happen. He already knows, listen, there are things going to happen tomorrow that you could never predict, but God knows it. It's his responsibility to plan it out. It's our responsibility to manage it. My nine-year-old has a lot of friends right now who have cell phones, and she is constantly telling me, Daddy, when am I going to get a cell phone? I'm like, when you're 37, you can get a cell phone. And so we did get her an iPad about a year or so ago because, you know, she needs to be able to play the games and leave me and mom alone. And, and so I told her, I said, hey, look, we, this is our iPad. This is, this is my iPad, okay? I bought this. You don't have a job. So this is my iPad, and I'm going to give it to you to manage. So don't ever let me hear you say my iPad. It's not your iPad. It's my iPad, but it's yours to manage, right? Make sense? So we're in Florida on a vacation and she drops it on this like ceramic floor, or not ceramic, I don't know what it was, on this concrete type floor and cracks the screens all, I mean, all the way down, just cracks everywhere. And she brings it to us and I said, well here's the deal, that was yours to manage, so I'm not fixing that. And so I went and got Scotch tape and put it all over the little cracks that could, that y'all don't judge me, and that, that, that could cut her and I'm like, here you go, this, is, this, this was yours to manage and here you go, like I'm not buying a new one. So a little bit of time goes by and we were out to eat one night And she had a little friend with her, it was a family that had somebody her age, so she's talking to her friends, and they had been playing on the iPad together and all that, and at some point they had put it up to eat, and and anyway, we're all chit-chatting, and we get up to leave, and I'm the kind of guy that just always checks the table, make sure I didn't leave my phone or my keys or anything, and she's gone, she's out the door talking and playing with her friend, and the iPad's laying right there on the table, y'all already know. And so I picked it up, put my jacket over it, hit it under my arm, and I went out to the car, and I opened the trunk of the car, and I threw it in the trunk, closed the trunk, and we talked, and we hugged goodbye, everybody, and we got in the car, and we went home. About 20, 25 minutes later, I'm on the couch in the living room, and she comes by in a complete panic, right? She's like... And I'm like, what's wrong, babe? She's like, nothing, nothing. She's going out in the garage. I'm like, what's what, What's in the garage? Nothing, nothing. I let this thing stew for hours. <laughs> hours. I'm like Netflixing and just like, oh, you got a problem? Oh, okay. Okay, baby. Okay. And I'm, I mean, she's to the point, she's in complete panic. And finally, finally she's, she's like at tears, y'all. This is, this is how horrible of a parent I am and how great this moment was. And so she's just like tears. And I'm like, baby, what's wrong? You look troubled. What's wrong? She said, Daddy? I don't know where the iPad is. I said, well, baby, where'd you last have it? She said, at the, at the restaurant. And I said, oh, you better go get it. She said, oh, how am I? You better get to walking. I don't know. And so finally after she was, you know, went and told her mom on me, I was like, look, babe, here's the deal. I have the iPad. And she's like, dad, what? Now she goes, now she's mad at me, right? Like, yeah, how could you? I knew I didn't leave it. I said, whoa, 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 you did leave it. You left it. I said, remember, it was yours to manage. And here's what I told her. I said, do you know how much an iPad costs? I don't know if you ever asked a kid about value. They have no idea. She's like, five bucks? I'm like, I'll smack you right now. Like, <laughs> no. So I'm like, no, it's, it's really expensive. And I told her, I said, until you see value in it, you're not going to manage it well, right? The more we see value in something, the better we manage it. The more The things that you have in your life that you manage well, you see value in in order for us to value or in order for us to manage tomorrow better we have to get to a place to where we value it more Darla and i were on a missions trip in belize once and we were, we, one of our responsibilities was in the morning we had to go to the different schools and do some teaching at the schools. And so they woke us up, you know, at an ungodly hour and got us in the car. God wasn't even awake, you know what I mean? And we're, we're driving to, to the school and we get to the school and there's these massive concrete walls around the school and these iron gates. And the iron gates connect and there's these big chains wrapped around the gate and a big old lock on it. It's like 7 o'clock in the morning. And I get out of the truck and I, I, I might have been the guy kind of leading there and I walk up and I'm asking, like, what's going on? And there are kids Everywhere, just standing around with their backpacks. Been there for a while, just standing around. I said, "What's going on?" And they said, "The school isn't open yet." I said, "What time does the school open?" They said, "No, the school's supposed to be open, but the teachers are just running late." You know, they said, "It's it's, it's this, this isn't America. Like the teachers just come when they want to come." And I was like, "Timeout. <laughs> what? Like, like I, I didn't go to school when the teachers were there. You know what I mean? Like, you, you're trying to tell me these kids are are literally standing outside of the school." When it's locked, waiting for a teacher to get here and open the gate, I would have been gone. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's still locked, 701, deuces. I mean, I would have been gone going home. But these kids are there. And why? Because they value education. They value it so much more than we value it. And because they valued it, they managed it well. If we can get to a place to where we value tomorrow, we will learn that it's our responsibility to manage tomorrow and we'll manage it better. Hear me. Most people want to dream and plan for the future, but they don't want to manage tomorrow. Your future depends on your ability to manage tomorrow. If you manage tomorrow well, then whatever you're planning for the future has a better chance of happening. You and I need to be better at managing tomorrow. Am I right? I love what James said. James says, what is your life? (laughs) What what is life, bro? Like, what, what is your life? Your life is... It's it's, it's just a blink of an eye. It's just just a vanish. It's just a moment. I got on Google and searched this. I thought this was interesting. 153,424 people won't wake up tomorrow. I hope it's not you. Isn't that scary? 153,424 people won't wake up tomorrow? That, 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 That statistic caught me for a second. But here's what it does. It can either cause you to be afraid or it can cause you to value tomorrow when you get it. To know that when you wake up, it's a gift, right? It's not something to be upset about. It's not, oh, it's Monday again, right? It's something, man, God gifted me with this. There were 153,000 people who didn't get this gift, but God, for some reason, chose me to get it, and because I have it, I'm going to put value in it, and therefore, I'm going to manage it well, right? Imagine if every one of us woke up tomorrow morning, the moment our eyes woke up, we went, oh, wow. Oh, wow. He chose me. He picked me to have today. What are we going to do about it? Right? I love how D.L. Moody put it. He said, God can do better with your life, so give it to him. Right? We should, we should, if, if we wake up and we get that gift, we need to turn around and give it back to him. God, if you gave me the gift of tomorrow, the least I can do is give the gift back to you. Because whatever is done in my life, you do a better job with it. So there's expectation. James said you need to have expectation. Next, he said this, you need to have excitement. So you wake up with expectation. First of all, man, God's going to do something today. I'm alive. 153,000 people didn't wake up today. I'm one of the ones that did. God's got a purpose and an agenda and a plan. I have expectations, and along with my expectations, now I'm going to have excitement. James said in verse 15, instead, in, instead of allowing God, you, what you ought, or instead of planning it on your own, what you ought to say is, if it's the Lord's will for me to wake up, watch this, then we will live. We will live. If, if God wakes me up, I'm going to live. I'll do this and I'll do that, whatever, but I'm going to live. He said, as it is, watch this, the planning that you're making right now, you are, you are excited about your plans you're excited about the weekend. You're excited about the vacation that's six months from now, right? You're excited about going out to eat. You're excited and you're boasting in your plans. And James says we need to be excited and boasting in God's plans and what God has planned for tomorrow. We need to be excited. Here, here's how James says it. If you will have an expectation for tomorrow, then you won't survive it. You won't endure it. Uh, you, you, you won't... You won't uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I, 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 I guess survive is the best way. You won't, you won't survive it. You won't endure it. You will, watch this, you will live it. Tomorrow will no longer be an obligation, but you'll see it as an opportunity. Right? How many of us view tomorrow as an obligation? God's saying, James is saying, you need to view it as an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Hear me, if you and I are going to face tomorrow with all of the purpose and all of the plan that God has, passion is going to matter. Passion matters. You need to wake up tomorrow with passion, with an excitement because passion matters. When Pastor Brian and I first started hanging out, we used to go play basketball a lot. And, and as you see, Pastor Brian's tall, he had a really good jump shot. And so we, we'd go to some of the, some of the you know, hoodiest places of town and try to play ball and find some kind of street goal, and we, we'd go up to play, and, and they'd want Brian right off the bat because he was tall, and he'd be shooting, you know, he was so smart, he'd go shoot around while they're waiting, and they'd see that he hadn't missed a shot. And I'm just sitting over there like this, you know, like, and my friend can play basketball. And, and, and so what I found out is they would eventually pick me, and here's why they would pick me. Not because I was talented, but because I was pesky. You know what I'm talking about? Like like, I don't know how many of y'all play basketball, but I I was always on the ball. Like if they had the ball, I'd be playing defense and I'd be trying to steal the ball and all this. So I wasn't that good, but I had passion, right? So it wasn't that I was super talented. It wasn't that I knew what I was doing, but I had passion. The very first full-time ministry job Darla and I got, we were pastoring fifth and sixth graders. I preached my first sermon for 45 minutes to them. Every kid was sound asleep every kid. We had these carpeted steps that went down from the stage, and that would be kind of like the altar area. There were kids, I'm not lying to you, at some point during my sermon, they had gotten out of their seat, they had walked down to the carpeted area so that they could lay down, and they had gone to sleep. I got in the car, Darla looked at me and said, don't ever do that again. Don't ever do that again. I didn't know what I was doing, but guess what? It worked out because I had passion, right? I was passionate about it. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was passionate. When Darla and I got married almost 13 years ago, we didn't know what we were doing. All you young married couples that you, you're afraid you don't know what to do. Guess what? You don't know what to do. All right? Those of you who think I'm doing bad, guess what? That's just marriage. We didn't know what we were doing, but we had passion. Right? I didn't, didn't know, but I had passion. When it comes to tomorrow, you don't have to have the understanding of tomorrow. You don't have to have all the knowledge of what tomorrow's going to bring. All you need to have is passion. Wake up tomorrow passionate. You say, Troy, that sounds really great. But how am I going to be? I'll be passionate if we're waking up to a Florida vacation tomorrow. But I'm waking up to a 16-hour work day, and you want me to have passion? You want me to be excited about going to work? Yes. Yes. But hear me, when I say excitement and I say passion, I'm not saying it the way you think I'm saying it. I'm not saying excitement and passion that's driven by emotion. I'm talking about passion that's proved by perseverance. Okay? You're excited about it and you're passionate about it and it's proved by your perseverance. We're in a culture today, guys, where passion's being communicated to us by emotion. Right? Man, you see that person? They're on fire for God. Why? Because they were so loud, and they were jumping up and down, and they were screaming. They're so passionate about God. Here would be my answer to that. Show me their tithe record. Because they can jump up and down all they want, but if they're not faithfully tithing, there is no passion. Right? We get confused by the emotion. We see all these young couples on TV, right, and all these relationship shows, and they're bumping into walls and doing other stuff, and we're like, oh, they got so much passion. That's not passion. That's emotion. Passion is three years after my mom and dad divorced, he would drive over to her house in the winter to prepare the pipes so they wouldn't freeze in the winter. That's passion. See what I mean? Passion through Persevere. let me tell you what passion is passion is when this worship team the first couple months of the church had to come out to lead worship hey everybody i'm jamal real quick hold on let's do this hey everybody how you doing let's worship jesus and he would come out and there was two people in the seats one of them was me right and i'm just like i'm here god yeah and they'd be up here, put your hands together. And if everybody in the room put their hands together, it sounded like this. <laughs> Jeff would be over here rocking. He's playing in front of thousands, and it's the same way he's playing in front of two. That, that is passion. That's passion that has this perseverance. Perseverance. Did that go? Passion is when you got up and came down for prayer, even though you've been praying every Sunday for the past four months and nothing's happened. That's passion. Passion is when you get a bad report, but you continue to pray anyway. That's passion. See what I mean? Passion is when you wake up in the morning and you go to a job that you know is not your dream, but you believe that it's a stepping stone to your dream, so you go in with passion. That's what I'm talking about, right? That, that, that's passion. Passion. We, we think we're supposed to feel it. Troy, you're telling me to wake up tomorrow morning and, and feel excited? No, 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 no. I'm telling you to wake up tomorrow morning and persevere to excitement to be able to wake up and know that God had a purpose for today. There's a reason why I'm not one of the 153,000, and there's something that's going to happen today, and therefore I'm persevering, and I'm believing, and I have passion, and I have excitement. And when someone, here, here, can I tell you what happened this morning? Uh, I walked in. I was out hanging out with Dream Team for a minute. I walked in, and Jamal's sitting right here, and and he's working through some of the worship team stuff, and you could tell there was something kind of going on. They, They had the best attitude, so it wasn't that. You could just tell someone, right? And I said, I said, Jamal, what's going on? He said, man, we're just having some technical difficulties and da-da-da-da. You know, it happens when you have to set up, tear down every week and all that. If y'all just tithe a little bit more, we'll buy a building, okay? And so, and so we're just talking. My wife walked over and she looked at me. She said, she, oh, man, I wish I remember exactly what her word was. She was like, somebody's getting saved today. It was some kind of comment like that because it was a passion built by perseverance that says I didn't, we didn't come in feeling it. We just came in knowing it. You know what I mean? There's a difference in you waking up tomorrow feeling it and waking up knowing it. its just a difference. And so let me give you this thought. You ready? Passion isn't having an excitement for what is planned tomorrow. We're going to Disney. I'm going to work. My excitement, my excitement. It's not built on what is planned for tomorrow. Passion is having excitement because who planned tomorrow? You didn't plan it. Your boss didn't plan it. I'd like to differ. Listen, he didn't plan it. He did not. God planned it. You just allowed them to manage it. God said, I planned it. You manage it. This is what Paul said in the book of Colossians. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. Whatever you do, have passion. Whatever you do, when you wake up tomorrow... And, and, and you got to take the kid to the daycare, and they've been crying. They woke you up at 3 because they were itching, and you, all you want to do is, like, uh, DDT them to the floor. You know what I'm talking about? Put them in the car with passion. I don't mean throw them in the car, okay? <laughs> but, but put them in the car with excitement. Dri- drive in the car with excitement. God's going to do My My baby's going to learn something today. I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to get an ab. Not abs, but an ab. Just one, just one, gonna be right there. Just like, woo, hallelujah. I praise you for all six of them, God. You know what I mean? Like, we're just walking around these walls. I thought abs would come by now. You know what I mean? I just, you just gotta believe, you gotta have this passion. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, have a passion for tomorrow as if God planned it, not for human masters. Look at tomorrow as if God planned it, not your boss. Nothing against your boss. They're probably really cool. But I'm just telling you, they didn't plan your life. God did. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, there's a purpose in tomorrow. What's the purpose? To get inheritance from the Lord. There's something that God has for you tomorrow. And you got to believe it. And then he goes on to say this watch this. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So you're waking up understanding that you are serving God today. Can I tell you something? When people show up on Sunday morning, they're showing up knowing they're ready to serve God. But God is not only using you on Sunday to serve him. He's using you Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. That's why I always run into people and they're like, I don't know about this serving thing. Like, what do you mean? I don't understand because serving is not a church thing. It's a Christian thing. You know what I mean? It's just where we happen to serve on Sunday. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about buying somebody's Starbucks, or when you see somebody with a blown tire and you pull over to help them or when, when whatever, when you find out somebody needs something and you reach out to help them, it's serving. So face this day as if you're serving it for the Lord. When it comes to tomorrow, James says you need to have expectation and you need to have excitement. Do, do you have those? Do you believe God's going to do something tomorrow? And are you excited about it? And then he says this, then if you have excitement and you have expectation, the only thing left is execution. That's all that's left. Verse 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do, not the good they ought to think or the good they ought to believe, but the good that they ought to do, do is an action word, so do, and then doesn't do it. James is so passionate, he said, it's a sin for them. He says, look, if you got the passion and the purpose and you don't put it into practice, it's a sin is what he's saying. He's saying that if you got this expectation and this excitement, there should be execution. So again, it's not about getting you pumped up here. It's about how do you wake up tomorrow, And do you do the thing James is telling us to do? Pastor Troy? Yes. Um, Can I just be honest with you real quick? Like, I know what is going to happen tomorrow. My boss sent me an email on Friday, told me what I'm going to be doing on Monday, and uh, it's not exciting, okay? You know what I mean? I'm working the night shift, the day shift, the morning shift, and the afternoon shift. Like, I don't, this is not exciting for me. I got seven kids at my house, and I don't even, I don't even know, I don't even know how to talk to an adult anymore. All I do is talk to kids all the time. I'm just in circle. I got diapers on my head. I don't, you want me to have excitement? I don't don't understand this process. I don't feel it. I just, I don't, I don't don't feel it. And here's James is saying, do it, right? You need to do it. And the Lord put this illustration in my head. I thought it was funny. So many things happen on Sunday that most people in here don't even see. I was thinking about this, the production team gets here at 6.30, 6.30. Again, God's not awake, okay? And the production team gets here at 6.30. And they're doing all this set up, and then you've got V Kids teams that are getting here and prepping, and First Impression teams. They're putting out flags and signs, and uh, you know, the worship team's getting here and they're practicing. Jamal's asleep on the stage, you know. What I mean, waiting for everybody to get here. Like, 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 all this stuff's just happening. All this process is happening, and Dream Teamers are coming early. And I, I was talking to Paul out, and Paul's over there yawning. He got all three kids on the couch yawning because Crystal's here for practice because they're doing it right. They're they're excited. but but look, there's all this stuff that's happening before we get here and one of the things that happens is my mic test and so about nine ten, depending on the time uh, here's what will happen I'll come in here and then the production team will put their microphone on me and and then they'll make me get up here and they'll go turn all the stuff on and they'll go all right test your mic and so I'm like okay and they give me a couple couple things to do one of them is I have to say the word simplicity 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 to be able to make sure you know when I'm saying all I'm saying there's not feedback and then he gives me this saying, I can never get it right. Uh, it's like the, the crazy fox jumped over the lazy dog. No, never. I never get it right the first time. The brown lazy something jumped over. Yep, there it is. All right. And so, so I, I, I'll say that, and we'll just kind of go through all this, you know, rehearsal and practice so that I'm ready. And it never fails. Right before we're done, Andrew will say the same thing every time. He'll say, all right, give me volume. And, and what he's doing, he's wanting me to practice right, at, at my highest volume, because he knows that when I get going, I get a little loud. And, and so he's like, I need to know that when you get loud. And so the very first time we did this, it was weird for me, because he'd be like, all right, uh, uh, he, he said like this, he said, find the loudest point of your sermon and, and, and go. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like, like, there's been times where I'm practicing, and I'm like, ooh, the Holy Spirit's going to move right here, and y'all were all like, is he done yet? And then there were times where I was like, man, I don't know about this. And you're all like, whoa, hallelujah. Like, you, know, you don't know. Because the Holy Spirit's doing different things in you. Than I, I, And so you don't know. And so it's hard for me to, I, I just told him, I said, I, Andrew, I, I don't feel it. You know, I, I, don't, I don't feel it. When, when I'm up here, I feel it, because the Holy Spirit's in it, and I'm looking at your beautiful faces, and I know God wants to do so much in your life, and so I feel it, and so it's so natural and easy for me to get loud, but when it's just me looking at Andrew's bald head, I don't really have the excitement. I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't feel it. And here's what I was learning. Here's what Andrew taught me. You gotta practice your passion, right? You gotta be able to practice your passion. So, so what I'm learning is that the passion that I get off of feeling feeling won't always be there and so if i'm gonna go into a day with expectation i gotta be able to practice my passion i gotta be able to walk through a day with expectation and excitement believing that god's gonna do something both in and through me and so even though i don't feel it i gotta learn to practice it this is what james is saying to you you need to learn how to practice your passion for tomorrow when you look in the mirror practice it man i'm so good looking Look at me. I'm made in the image of God. I'm fine. Just tell, just tell yourself. I'm, 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 I'm so good. I'm so rich. Tell you, ooh, I'm going to preach a message next Sunday. Might call it how to be rich. You do. Oh, it's going to be so good. Oh, it's going to be. You just practice being rich today. Start practicing being rich today. I bet you're rich by next Sunday. Watch. Right? You just practice it. Wake up. Go into your closet and be like, ooh, I got some good-looking outfits. Right? Put on something and do the catwalk to the living room. Just. You know what I mean? Just to practice it. Pra- get in the car, put on something and just be like scouting, just headbang. Yeah. Practice it. Just practice your passion, but, but why? Why am I practicing my passion? Let me, can I tell you why real quick? Almost done. I got this chance to go to this conference this past year. I wasn't supposed to go. And a buddy called me and said, hey, man, I got a ticket last minute. I, I've told the church before about the song. They sung at the end of it, uh, Victory Belongs to Jesus. Oh, man, we had a, we had a day that day. And, and so, so anyway, uh, they, 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 once I got there, I found out they had a special guest during the conference, a special interview with Joel Osteen. Do y'all know who that is? He got a little bitty church in Texas uh, in, in the old Houston Rockets Stadium, okay? Dude, I mean, it's incredible. I've always heard different things about him. I try not to listen to other people, Um, and and so, but I'd never met the guy, obviously never heard him outside of sermons, so I didn't have any reason to think anything. Now that I've heard him speak, I tell you this, one of the most incredible men of God I've ever met in my life. Humble, all these things, it's incredible. He tells this story, I will never forget this. If you don't know, let me real quick give you the history. Uh, His dad was pastoring Lakewood Church before him, and he was in the production ministry. He was behind the camera, running the cameras, putting his dad on television. That's what he wanted to do. He had no desire to ever pastor a church, be on a stage, anything. He actually said his dad used to ask him all the time, would you preach this Sunday? And he'd go, no, dad, no, dad, no, dad, no, dad. Okay, so fast forward. He's now running the production ministry, and he told this story about this one day where he worked and spent five and a half hours getting a light right, just getting getting one of these lights right so that when his dad came in and preached and and got recorded, it would look right. So he spent five and a half hours just fiddling with the light, just nope, nope. Wife called him, said you need to come home. He said, babe, I got to get this right. Fixed it. Uh, Mom told him, hey, your wife said you need to come home to go home. No, I got to get this right for dad. Fixed it, got the light just right. Five and a half hours, okay, got it right. That weekend, his dad ends up getting sick. Goes to the hospital, calls Joel, says, you need to preach for me this Sunday. It was kind of a last minute thing, obviously. Joel said he felt the spirit of God tell him, yeah, you need to do it. So he did it. That Sunday that he preached was the last Sunday his father was alive, okay? His father passed away. Obviously, you know, he goes on to be the pastor of this church, and y'all, he made this statement. He said, I had no idea when I was fiddling with that light that I was working on the platform God already had planned for me to be at. Think about this. He's working on this light thinking, I'm supposed to be passionate about today? I spent five and a half hours on a light and I'm supposed to be excited about tomorrow? And God says, yes, because if you will have perseverance And passion for tomorrow you don't know what I have planned and you might very well be working on the very platform that God's about to elevate you to because you never know what God's working tomorrow so it's why you wake up with expectation you know why you need to go in ready to worship or ready to work for that boss because you might be about to take his job you don't ever know you never know what's being prepared for you you never know what's getting ready because God is in control of your schedule not man And so when you approach the day like God's in control, you practice your passion. And God says, oh, if they can be passionate in a prison cell, they can be passionate behind a pulpit. And that's what he's done with people all throughout the Bible. Is he waited for people who were passionate about tomorrow and said, now we're going to elevate them to a place where they can get other people passionate about tomorrow. Because God has a plan for your life, church. Every one of you walked in here this morning and you were dreading tomorrow. James says you need to have a new perspective and a new approach because God's been planning tomorrow before you were ever even born. And if it's not the day, it's a stepping stone to the day. And you just keep your perseverance and you keep your passion and you keep your expectation and you keep that excitement and you walk in knowing, man, my God, my God planned today and I'm just responsible for managing it. And you watch as God moves and elevates and shifts and all, and you'll be one moment talking about how their kids falling asleep on the steps while you're preaching and then you'll blink and you will have planted a church in a city you'd never lived in before because what God was doing then played a part in what God is doing now and I can look at that moment and go what is there to be excited about or I can stop and go what is my God doing what is he prepping give your life to God because he's going to do better with it wake up tomorrow with expectation give him seven days I promise you he'll prove to be faithful. There's such a purpose for your life. It's a purpose for the job that you're at. It's a purpose for why you have kids in this season that you have them. It's a purpose for why you're in the relationship you're in. There's a purpose why you have the gift that you have. It's what Grow Track Step 2 is all about. There's a purpose in why you're in this church in this time for a time like now for what God wants to do in your life expectation, excitement. And then it's just execution. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your word, and for the fact that when we live and worship and serve you, every day has a purpose. Every day. There's not a moment, not a minute, God, that you waste. Everything that happens, Lord, if we will learn to allow you to plan it, And for us to manage it, see, here's where we make the mistake, God, is is we'll plan it, and then we ask you to manage it. And you're telling us, let me plan it, and you manage it. And your word talks about how you'll work all things out for the good of those who love you, how you have a plan to prosper us. Your word speaks so much about what you're doing with us today and the impact of tomorrow. You gave Joseph a dream caused a lot of problems, would have been hard to see passion. Lord, you led him all the way to being the prime minister, saving his family. Let us see the purpose in tomorrow when it comes to living our life for you. I pray right now of every person in this room. I pray they would have heard this message. It would have pierced their hearts. And I pray that tomorrow morning they're going to wake up with a fresh expectation and a fresh excitement. And that those two things married together will move them into a fresh execution. And they're going to see your hand on their life in a supernatural way. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Everybody said.